Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We've got some bad news for you, though. We've got a lot of bad martinis. Not three, but two, which means there's no good martini. So uh, Jim will have to brace for that. Uh, Yesterday we talked about how there's a cottage industry in Michigan for bumper stickers and yard signs and billboards that say, my governor is an idiot. Now, I'm guessing, Jim, that's a more lucrative enterprise than my congresswoman is an idiot because, you know, you've got a whole statewide market there instead of just one district that for the most part, likes her, but Rashida Tlaib would certainly qualify for such a bumper sticker for a lot of reasons, and she's added to the pile yet again. Uh, She was on a podcast Wednesday with Just Futures Law. They were talking about uh, uh, the border, and she was asked her thoughts on President Biden wanting to increase technology at the border for Customs and Border Patrol, uh, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, and the Department of Homeland Security. Needless to say, she's not a big fan of that policy, and it's not just for the typical ones the far left wants to get rid of, which is, you know, ICE and the Border Patrol. She wants to get rid of DHS entirely. Look, the simple answer answer to that question is we must eliminate funding for CPB, ICE, and their parent organization, DHS. Time after time, we have seen it as advocates on the ground, as human services agency on the ground to continue to see over and over again that these agencies are inept uh, to humanely guiding migrants through our immigration system and further continue, instead they further continue to terrorize migrant communities located within our communities. So, Jim, she's always been a rabble rouser, uh, looking to uh, create a spark with the most extreme things she could pretty much say. Uh, And and like I said, we've seen the left go after the idea of defunding ICE, but now she wants to entirely defund the Department of Homeland Security. So either she doesn't understand everything that's involved and under the umbrella of DHS, or she's just even more radical than we thought. Greg, there is a contradiction at the heart of Rashida Tlaib, and I think in particular how she gets covered by most of the Washington political press corps, including those who cover her on Capitol Hill. She hasn't been there very long. Uh, most famous for, we're gonna impeach the MFR uh, statement right before uh, taking the oath of office. And then of course, you know, ended up doing so, not once, but twice within the next two years. Now, here's the thing. Uh, seeing Rashida Tlaib say that not only does she want to abolish ICE, She wants to abolish Customs and Border Protection. She wants to abolish the entire Department of Homeland Security. The number of times we've had these arguments, whether it's abolishing the police or abolishing the ICE, and we get some sort of really disingenuous counter argument of, oh, come on, you crazy conservatives. No one's seriously saying we should abolish, you know, immigration and customs enforcement, or no one's really saying we should get rid of all border protection. Well, here is an elected Democratic congressman who does, who is literally saying this and going even further to get rid of DHS. I mean, I don't like TSA as much as the next guy, but that doesn't mean I don't want to have zero security for getting people getting onto planes. Um, but here's the thing. So if you want to say, okay, you know, she's just one congresswoman and she's a nut job and nothing, nobody really listens to what she says, fine. But she doesn't get covered that way. The coverage of Rashida Tlaib is generally pretty friendly, particularly when it's in the context of the squad and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar and this idea that, you know, generally the coverage they get is, oh, they're the rising, you know, young Democratic women and they're here to shake things up on Capitol Hill and they're not going to be deterred. 
And I just like I would compare that to, say, former Ohio Congressman Dennis Kucinich. Uh, Dennis Kucinich, every year for a whole bunch of years, would introduce legislation saying we shouldn't have a Department of Defense. We should have a Department of Peace. Uh, oh, by the way, the U.S. government has the U.S. Institute of Peace. It's actually a different separate issue. But you know, the idea of we shouldn't be called, it used to be called the, the, the War Department. And we decided that was too scary and intimidating and all that stuff. And the last thing we'd want is a, a military that intimidates people. No, no, we can't have that. So we call it Department of Defense. Fine. Accurate description. But he didn't like that. He wanted a Department of Peace. Now, a lot of us like to chuckle about that. And I got to say that out of all the Democrats who have served in Capitol Hill, Dennis Kucinich probably ranks up there as uh, one of the favorites of conservatives or Republicans. And probably because he was, you know, one, he was easily painted as a nut job because he was a bit of a nut job, although he was kind of an amiable nut job. And let's face it, if you're going to try to prove that your opponent doesn't know what they're talking about, it helps if he looks like a J.R.R. token character. <laughs> um, so Dennis, Dennis Kushinitz didn't get enormous amounts of gushing coverage. He was generally treated as a fringe figure. He was generally treated as somebody who was always good for a quote. And yeah, he's got some, some original ideas, but nobody really took him seriously most notably when he ran for president. So it's one of those things, like if Rashida Tlaib is the Dennis Kucinich of today, well, then it's long overdue for her to start being covered that way. And if she's not the Dennis Kucinich of today, if she's not this fringe figure who holds no real power or influence in the rest of the party, well, then Democrats should act like it. And it, we continue this sense that everybody's afraid to say, like any other member, a Democratic member of the House would say, that's a really stupid idea. And Rashida Tlaib is a stupid person for suggesting we should get rid of ICE and Customs and Border Protection and the Department of Homeland Security. No, that's definitely right. And, and we're not saying, certainly as conservatives, that there's no fat to be trimmed from the Department of Homeland Security. I'm sure there's tons of it. There's a lot of people who uh, think, you know, putting all of these agencies under under one roof in the wake of 9-11 has led to uh, more wasteful spending uh, across the board in some of these departments. And uh, it, it's certainly worth a look to, to trim the, the spending wherever you can, if it makes sense. But with the border crisis that we're currently having right now, her answer, I guess, is to just let them in. So we're not going to patrol the border. We're not going to enforce immigration laws inside our borders. And uh, we're just not going to uh, protect the homeland with any of the agencies under the umbrella right now. So I don't know what her solution is other than total chaos. I was going to say, just, like, just you know, as a thought experiment, imagine the day Rashida Tlaib comes out and says, I have found wasteful spending in the budgets of Department of Homeland Security, Customs and Border Protection, and Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And, you know, maybe you could actually build a bipartisan coalition to eliminate a particular spending program that is counterproductive or doesn't generate much results or doesn't represent an efficient use of taxpayer dollars. You know, that could happen. But clearly, her, her, her complaint is not about that. Her complaint is about the mission. She ultimately doesn't want people doing uh, that sort of thing. And that's, you know, if, again, if she's a fringe character who, who doesn't speak for anyone, then she should start getting that kind of coverage instead of this kid gloves treatment she usually gets. You know, these squad members are obviously from lopsided districts. So the fact that they're radical doesn't really affect their electability. And so they replaced people who were kind of on the fringe as well. But Jim, I never thought I'd be at the point where I kind of sort of think about missing John Conyers. Because uh, that's whose seat uh, Rashida Tlaib has. <laughs> Ilhan Omar replaced Keith Ellison, who I still don't miss. But uh, I think uh, whenever she leaves Congress, I'll miss her even less. Uh, uh, Greg, do you think at some point somebody said, uh, you know, boy, that uh, they're the terrible members of Congress. 
you know, those electorates couldn't do any worse. And the electorates looked at that and just said, hold my beer. <laughs> yes, yes. I think that's one of the reasons people liked ranked choice voting. So you can maybe weed out the total whack jobs in the primary, but I'm still a one man, one vote kind of guy. So uh, I'm not in favor of that. But uh, I understand why why some are sympathetic towards that. But uh, look, in addition to the insanity coming from uh, the squad, when it comes to your business, you don't need insanity or lethal issues. Because look, when running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, you got to stay on top of all of these things. And HR manager salaries just aren't cheap. They average about $70,000 a year. Fortunately, though, there's Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, which was created specifically for small business HR compliance. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. Everything from onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day, again, all for just $99 a month. Month-to-month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. You did not start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. You've got other things, your vision, marketing, sales, all these things. Let Bambi help you with the HR stuff. Get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash martini right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash martini, spelled BAM to the B-E-E dot com slash martini. All right, Jim. We're going to be talking about Marxists a lot today in the Three Martini Lunch. Uh, I would say that uh, some members of the squad certainly uh, are headed in that direction. And when it comes to confronting Marxists overseas, even more people on the left are saying, you know what, Biden administration, let's not even bother because we've got more important things to cooperate on with the Chinese. And so these useful idiots are rearing their heads once again. Politico. Over 40 progressive groups sent a letter to President Joe Biden and lawmakers on Wednesday urging them to prioritize cooperation with China on climate change and curb its confrontational approach over issues like Beijing's crackdown on Hong Kong and forced detention of Uyghur Muslims. The progressive organizations, including the Sunrise Movement and the Union of Concerned Scientists, you know it's going to be a real doozy when they're on board. Call, this is quote now, call on the Biden administration and all members of Congress to eschew the dominant antagonistic approach to U.S.-China relations and instead prioritize multilateralism, diplomacy, and cooperation with China to address the existential threat that is the climate crisis. Nothing less than the future of our planet depends on ending the new Cold War between the United States and China. Here's the quote on climate change. His entire climate change agenda could be at risk if his anti-China campaign continues and grows, said Eric Sperling, the executive director of Just Foreign Policy. Jim, these people who want a just world uh, (laughs) are totally willing to let the uh, genocide continue against Muslims, persecution of Christians and really any people of faith in China, uh, repression of all freedoms in Hong Kong and beyond. Look out Taiwan. And of course, you know, they're about to be put on the hook for lying about the whole uh, coronavirus outbreak. But hey, we got a climate agenda to pursue. 
You know, Greg, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back kind of to the 10,000-foot range of the entire situation. Listeners to this podcast know that pretty much since late March, early April 2020, uh, I've been, deep, you know, diving deep into the lab leak theory and, the, the you know, trying to figure out what we can determine about the origins of COVID-19. Uh, and when you do a lot of that, you learn a lot more about China, how it works, the authoritarian regime, all that kind of stuff. But like, the more I learn, the more I get really, really concerned about just, you know, the rise of China and the prospect of it becoming a, um, uh, you know, arguably the world's dominant superpower, certainly the possibility of surpassing us. I don't know if listeners out there are the type who like to finish one book before they start another, but right now I am working my way through Josh Rogan's Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, Xi, and the Battle for the 21st Century. The China Questions, Critical Insights to a Rising Power, which is basically written by the entire Harvard faculty dealing with China, edited by Jennifer Rudolph and Michael Stungy. And at the same time, these two, we have been harmonized, Life in China's Surveillance State by Kai Strittmatter. My ability to buy books and start them greatly exceeds my capacity to sit down and actually finish them. But nonetheless, the overall portrait of this is that China, like people say, oh, you know, this is like the new Cold War or something like that. Well, the complication is we were never really big trade partners with the Soviet Union, which means when we wanted to influence their behavior, we did not have corporate America saying, oh, no, 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 we don't want you to do that. That would louse up our access to the Soviet market. Uh, we really want our movies to open up big there. We really want the NBA to be popular. We really want our grain exports and all that kind of stuff. Josh Rogan's book talks a lot about Chinese influence operations. You probably, you know, listeners have probably heard a bit about this on university campuses and all of these different kind of exchange programs and all these different kinds of business partnerships and all these different ways that China is attempting to maximize its leverage, not just the United States, although clearly we're a very big target of this. They really want to get as much leverage over as many countries as possible. And sometimes it succeeds, sometimes it doesn't succeed. A couple uh, podcasts ago, we talked about their wolf warrior diplomats and how they're really actually kind of alienating people by being ludicrously over-aggressive over every little issue that comes down the pike. But that having been said, China is a very patient country. Uh, a couple of days ago, I had a corner post just kind of observing Chinese, China's leaders who are you know, authoritarian. And when you are you know, the, the uh, uh, chair of the Chinese Communist Party and you're running the show over there, you, you really do have almost unlimited powers, but they've had term limits. Well, they just repealed the term limits for Xi Jinping. And he's also kind of built up this cult of personality around him. He has not named a successor. He has not hinted at a successor. And there is no obvious or likely figure to be his successor. So there's an excellent chance that Xi Jinping will not just be elected for another term in a couple of years. He may well be running China throughout the 2020s, and he may well be running China into the 2030s, because Chinese leaders tend to live well into their 80s and up into their 90s. So you're looking at this, you know, by every possible measure, this is a really almost unprecedented grade A, category five, underline it in red, foreign policy challenge to the United States because they hate our guts. They want to replace us as the world's dominant superpower and they want to undermine us and see us as weakened as possible so that they can do whatever they want on the world stage. It is just that bad. So now you look at this. We've already got the business community not wanting a conflict with this. We've already got a 20 to 30 years of people in both parties insisting that more trade with China was going to make them more like us instead of making us more like them. Now, on top of it, let's add the progressive movement, which has already gotten a considerable amount of power over American culture. 
uh, on American politics and American economic policies and, and everything else. And they're saying, we can't really confront China. We need them to play ball with us on climate change. And that's even more important, which means we really have to let them do what they want with the Uyghurs. Hey, let's face it, I guess genocide is one way of reducing carbon emissions. Uh, we really have to not really look too hard at where COVID-19 came from. We really have to let not give them too much grief about their aggression towards Taiwan. We really have to forget about the Dalai Lama and Tibet. You lay out on every single front, they're going to want to say, besides, besides the natural pacifistic uh, dictator placating instincts that they have already, now they have this other reason to say, look, this conflict isn't worth it. Let's let Beijing have what it wants so that they will promise to reduce their carbon emissions. And guess what? They're not really going to do that. Um, it's really, really bad. And I kind of wondered whether this, you know, the left was never good. It was always tough. You know, the, the, only, the only foreign power that, that the Democratic Party as a whole and that leftists ever really you know, got themselves all that fired up about in the last decade is Russia. And you saw how quickly that happened as soon as Trump left the stage. In the end, Democrats were really much more upset with Vladimir Putin for helping Trump than for any of the other things Vladimir Putin did, for like, say, taking over Crimea or anything like that. Um, it is really, really bad. It's not surprising, but it indicates that if we want tough on China policies, we're not just going to be fighting uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the usual suspects. We're also going to be fighting this charged, uh, hyperbolic and really, really, you know, annoyingly persistent progressive movement because they want to let China do what they want as well. Exactly. You know, sometimes you have to... Uh make uncomfortable bedfellows when you've got a major, major crisis to confront, like, you know, Churchill and Stalin working together during World War II. They hated each other's guts for good reasons. But this is even for a good reason, obviously. They want to abandon all of these things, uh, freedom and uh, truth about COVID and the genocides and the persecution all over the place for something that's going to make us more like China with, uh, you know, with a planned economy and all this government uh, edicts on, on climate that's just going to grind our economy into the dust. And so uh, it shows you exactly where the left is right now. And it's, it's pretty frightening. All right. But to, to summarize, Greg, they basically believe we need to create an environmental alliance with the people who created the Three Gorges Dam. <laughs> Which, by the way, was not good for the environment. Yeah. Spoiler and alert. Exactly. And of course, the people who want the climate change uh, agenda, they just want the control. So ultimately, I don't even think they care if China keeps uh, their end of any bargain they ever strike. They just uh, they just want to make uh, their agenda uh, move forward here. But uh, let's talk about something way better than that. And you might have uh, <laughs> some some nightmares uh, when it comes to thinking about uh, how much rolling over the left wants to do when it comes to China. But you won't do that much on your Giza dream sheets from my pillow. Yeah, my pillow is much more than just great pillows, although the pillows are great too. But now they've given that same attention to the Giza Dream Sheets. I got to tell you, these things are fantastic. I I love these sheets. They're super soft. They're very comfortable, easy to fall asleep on. And uh, like I said earlier in the week, anytime uh, the week or two weeks is up, uh, get them out of the wash, put them right back on. They're definitely our favorite sheets. For a limited time, you can get two sets of Giza Dream Sheets for one low price plus free shipping. Giza Dream Sheets are the best sheets you'll ever own. Imagine sliding into the most comfortable sheets you will ever experience guaranteed. They're made from the world's best cotton and they're grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. Its long staple cotton makes it ultra soft and breathable. These sheets are available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable and they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee 
and a one-year limited warranty. So visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout or call 800-874-0104 for two sets of Giza Dream Sheets for one low price plus free shipping. Again, that's two sets of Giza Dream Sheets for one low price plus free shipping with the promo code MARTINI either at MyPillow.com or when you call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com or call 800-874-0104. All right, Jim. Some may have thought we were done talking about communist sympathizers, but no. John Kerry is the subject of our crazy martini now, although it has nothing to do with his prior communist sympathies from uh, the 1970s. But uh, he is once again showing that he's one of the uh, most stereotypical political hypocrites of our time. This is from the Free Beacon. White House climate envoy John Kerry was photographed without a face mask while walking through Boston Logan International Airport on Monday morning. The second time he has been snapped apparently flouting the mask mandate during air travel this year, according to photos obtained by the Washington Free Beacon. In photos, Kerry can be seen walking through an airport body scanner without wearing a mask. Uh, He also previously denied that he went maskless on an American Airlines flight after a picture emerged in March calling the image malarkey and claiming his mask slipped momentarily. So, Jim, there's two things that come to my mind as as this story comes out again, because John Kerry is is such a, a hypocrite. The, the private jets, uh, when he's you know uh, talking about climate change, he couldn't possibly be bothered with commercial air travel because his mission is so critical. Um, and, and so this is just him over and over again. But at the same time, the airline policy and other policies that we've talked about, I'm going to assume that John Kerry's been vaccinated at this point. So why should he have to wear a mask? Yeah, it's a good point, which actually, you know, one aspect of this could be asking the airports why they still want people who are vaccinated to wear masks. But I, I was listening to all that, Greg, I just kind of think like, you know, there are people in life, you, you kind of wonder, you know, was I, was I too tough on that person? Was I, <laughs> did I misjudge them? Was I a little harsh? And I look at everything I wrote about John Kerry back in 2004 campaign and I say, nope, not at all. <laughs> that guy deserved every bit of it and worse. If, J- if John Kerry really is reaching the point where like, if you had set up some kind of uh, uh, you know, novel character based on him. And you did. In addition to it, you know, besides the, uh, uh, you know, all the numerous ways, you know, marrying into wealth and all the different ways and his lucky hat stories from Vietnam and denouncing the war and pronouncing it Genghis Khan, cut off ears, cut off heads, all the different ways that he's, you know, uh, you know, I actually voted for the 87 million before I voted against it. You know, all that kind of stuff, the, the windsurfing it, all, everything, you know. Um, you look at it. Yeah, I, I've you know I effectively have my PhD in John Kerry studies. Um, John Kerry, like if you if you made him up, people would say, "Oh, come on, nobody's that bad. Nobody's that ridiculous. Nobody, no U.S. senator would go onto the Daily Show during a presidential campaign and when John Stewart teed up the most obvious, please slam your opponent. Respond, would that it were, John. Would that it were. Um, it, it's you know he is a over-the-top parody of the kind of guy that he is and the repeated violations of rules that he clearly believes don't apply to him are just one more you know it's a it's a phenomenon that was much more serious earlier in the in the year the gavin newsom comes to mind and other ludicrous examples of this but john Kerry's you know being a multiple offender this kind of indicates uh, what has kind of been the the mentality at work throughout john Kerry's career in uh um, in politics and international affairs. I just have to assume that I assume that flight was going to meet with Bashir Assad again. <laughs> he has the best Chardonnay, let me tell you. You know, she and his wife, absolutely a desert rose, just like just like Vogue said. 
man, politicians in Washington are like NBA coaches. No matter how lousy your performance is, you'll always get another job. <laughs> it's just yeah. amazing. The recycling. Yeah, I keep waiting people. for the retirement ceremony. He's already written his memoirs. He's already written his story, and yet he keeps getting government <laughs> jobs. That really should be, you know. It's kind of like, you know, it's very tough for you. Every once in a while, a coach gets hired after he's been inducted into the Hall of Fame. When you've been inducted to, like, the Hall of Shame list, then, then really that should be it. That should. Uh... Maybe on one hand, he's like, uh, it's good for conservatives that he's the climate guy because you know that even people who agree with him are like, oh, Carrie's coming to town. I got to sit through this. So it could actually slow things down and maybe even derail it because, you know, even the people who uh, agree with him policy-wise can't really enjoy spending all the time with him, I don't think. It's a good point. If you really wanted something, I don't sure how much t- effort and money. You know, if it really matters to you, do you put John Kerry in charge of it? <laughs> That's right. Or, or conversely, it could be, dude, whatever you want. I'm just, I just don't want to listen to this anymore. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm on board. Just go away. When people complain, I can send them to, to Kerry. There you go. <laughs> yes. It all depends. Jim, uh, fun day as always, even with no good martinis. Talk to you tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, please do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast and tell your friends about us as well. Super grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Also, you can get us on those home devices. Just say, play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Also, uh, you can follow Jim on Twitter at, at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Thursday. And yes, tomorrow is Friday. So join us then on the Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.